In this episode of Wisdom Talks, John Barter continues reflecting upon the sets of four teachings or practices of the Buddha by looking into the four ultimate Buddhist concepts. So we continue reflecting upon some of the sets of four. Sets of four teachings of the Buddha, four perspectives or four practices or four realities. So last week we had a look into the four pairs of the ways of the world, the Lokya Dhamma. That uh, the world or worldliness, more especially, revolves around these four pairs. That um, very easily we, anyone, everyone gets caught into. Given the world operates and runs by these four pairs, being a gain and loss, praise and blame, happiness and unhappiness, fame and non-fame. And the idea is to... Um, be able to accommodate them as they occur, not uh, seeking them or becoming attached to them or identified with them or as them, but um, especially uh, just being aware of them as they come and go. And certainly come and go according to the fundamental principle of change or impermanence, our Nietzsche. Not taking it personally because of the uh, fundamental um, reality of anatta, no permanent entity self. So um, not being not being um, blown around or uh, blown away by uh, the worldly conditions. But this evening I do hope that you get more than blown around. I hope you get blown away. I hope you get um, blown out. That's my wish for you. <laughs> and in your spiritual practice, may you, may you ultimately uh, um, have that happen, that uh, you're, you're blown out, you're, you're blown away. Not blown up. <laughs> That's very different. Blown up um, has more of a sense of uh, like a balloon. A balloon gets blown up. A balloon gets inflated. And if, you're, if you get inflated, then you'll need to go and see a shrink. To get shrunk, shrunk down to back down to size. That's where the uh, the term shrink comes from. Head shrink. People that have inflated egos, they go and see a shrink to get shrunk back. But um, blown uh, blown out and blown away, but especially blown out. The um, that's we could say is a literal translation of the Buddhist word nirvana. So nirvana or in the Pali language, as opposed to the Sanskrit, Pali, it's uh, Nibbana, which means uh, blown out, extinguished. So the goal of uh, the Buddha's teachings is to become blown out, <laughs> not blown up. And um, this evening to uh, share or look into four ultimate concepts, four ultimate Buddhist concepts, which uh, are challenging because, uh, like all concepts, they are just a concept that trying to describe something which is beyond the concept, beyond the uh, the idea or the the name or the the word. 
or many words that might be used to try and describe a something. And often um, in this context, more than a something, a non-thing. So how do you use conditions and con a conditioned phenomena, a thing, a word, limited to describe that which is beyond words? It's, it's, it's can't be done. You can sort of try, but um, like the uh, the Zen idea of the finger pointing at the moon, which um, can never never be the moon or reach the moon, its concepts are uh, pointing towards that which is um, um, the ultimate the ultimate thing, which could be a clock or it could be um, enlightenment. So. Um, this is one of the reasons that the Buddha didn't speak too much about uh, some of these ultimate concepts. They, they certainly appear in the Buddha's teachings, the Buddha's scriptures, but um, um, he tended to shy away from speaking too much about them because uh, it's difficult, and, and not, not that he was sort of avoiding a difficulty, but the problem is um, creating misperception, misconception, misunderstanding, confusion, uh, so there's there's sort of limited places where the Buddha did speak about enlightenment and uh, nibbana and and so forth. But uh, we'll uh, attempt to have a little bit of a look into some of these concepts this evening. The first ultimate Buddhist concept is anatta, which generally gets translated as um, non-self or not-self. Atta is the word for self, and the A has a prefix, then is a negation, so non-self or not-self. And whilst this is a, a fundamental teaching of the Buddhas, and uh, certainly a marked distinction between his teachings and pretty much most other teachers' uh, teachings, uh, it's problematic because uh, it really goes against the grain of self. Self doesn't want to hear about not-self. And so it's very easy for the mind to uh, shut off uh, from being receptive to fully getting the fact that, that you, I, we, are not real. Never were, never are, never will be. It's like, okay, turn the page, please. <laughs> but... Um, uh, it's really, really important to to look into this and to develop some understanding because we can appreciate that all the suffering that is experienced uh, is is experienced by self, and, and self, in a way, creates, perpetuates um, suffering. So that um, the the dukkha, the dukkha, it's all all about uh, the dukkha or the suffering of self. Dukkha as in unease or distress or, or um, confusion that's always to do and felt by, by self, me, my, my angst, my anger, my confusion, my fear, my frustration, my disappointment, my despair, my depression, whatever, it's all me. It's only self that suffers. Okay, body may have physical pain, but it's not suffering in that psychological suffering sense that self does. So... If there's more understanding of, of what is this what is this phenomena that appears to be suffering and sure experiencing at times great joy and, and pleasure and delight and so forth but also yes the other side of that as in the worldly dhammas happiness unhappiness 
to find out what's, what's going on there and especially the reality that there is no permanent, static, stable, enduring entity. Uh, and this was the insight of the Buddha. And uh, in the way in which he used the term, it was not just um, um, self as in the psychological self, but, but atta also, also related to um, soul, no permanent soul, no permanent spirit. So we can choose which one we want to use. Generally, easy to understand from the concept of um, self, psychological self. And even our science is saying, yeah, the, the self isn't, isn't static, it's not stable. The, the patterning program of self might try and keep, keep going in a certain way. Who would, I would, who would I be if I didn't have my neuroses? Let's keep them going. Um, my fears and frustrations and, and so forth. But the fact is that um, they keep on being repeated and patterned and that the patterning can be modified and changed to create a, a different, better patterning self that uh, is more functional, happier, better adjusted. And a lot of the, uh, the work of psychology is, um, in the therapeutic context, is helping people to modify the self. If the self was, was static and stable, that's who you are for you know all your life then then that's pretty unfortunate but the fact is that self can change because it's not permanent we know that for ourselves even through the course of our lifetime our sense of self has been modified and changed changed through experience certainly there may be uh, underlying patterns or traits that seem to be more enduring but even at that they might get they might get a bit more they might get a bit less they, they still do change. But um, as I've mentioned many times before, and certainly as uh, we'll be looking into on the uh, meditation day next week, the psychology of the self, the, the fundamental appreciation here is anatta. There is no permanent static stable self, that it is a, a neurologically based, so brain based, uh, psychological program that runs as a helpful aid to, to mind and body. So it's not about getting rid of the self. The self is required. It's just about getting rid of the ignorance around what the self actually is. So yes, the self is an important structure, a psychological structure, because the mind needs the self to, to relate. Mind, and um, as noted in the meditation, the true nature of the mind, stillness, silence, and spaciousness needs needs a self, a communication device, to relate to another mind that's um, manifesting as a result of the brain in a body. So it needs a communication device. That's why we have iPhones. How would life be without the iPhone? You know, it would just pretty much stop, wouldn't it? <laughs> so. Uh, we need them, and and so too the mind needs its I for phoning and communicating and connecting to 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 others, to other minds. It's a really helpful device. And yes, it's as as we know, the iPhone can be modified. You go to the App Store on your iPhone and, and download some apps and modify. You can even plug it in, and you go into settings, and you go upgrade, and you can then 
upgrade the whole phone, it becomes a, a better operating system. So yeah, um, iPhones are impermanent and um, um, they can be modified. And so too the self works in the same way. And I've said before, the self is for the purpose of collecting information, collating information, calculating information, communicating information. So very, very helpful. But also, it can be um, um, not just silence, but also it can be put on, on hold or even turned off. So if the self can be turned off, then it's not, not static and ongoing. It can be turned off. The brain can stop making self, hence meditation. Meditation is an opportunity for the brain to stop thinking, just be aware, being aware not thinking and creating a sense of me again, the duration of the meditation. And this then allows the uh, second uh, ultimate concept, which is um, sunyata. And sunyata uh, often translates as um, emptiness, not in a, in, a, in a vacuous sense, but more like... Um, um, full of space, full of uh, nothingness. And uh, the Buddha pointed out that all things, all things are basically um, certainly void or empty of any, any ultimate substance or any permanent me, self. So they, they have sunyata as their nature. And um, so meditation offers an opportunity for the mind to move into this... Uh, state of, of sunyata, spacious, unconditioned, unconditional, knowing peace. When things aren't rattling around, you know, certainly mentally, um, then, there's, then there's peace. The noise stops, the movement stops, um, the clutter stops, and that's peace or even ultimate happiness. So sunyata as an important concept to uh, gain appreciation of. And even, again, science is saying that, that things, the world, the, um, the universe, and whether it's the, the universe in a, a microcosm of um, a grain of sand, or the universe as in um, the ongoing, expanding universe, planets, stars, galaxies, so forth, is more space. More space than substance. And these bodies that, uh, that are here, more space than substance. The, uh, the floor that we walk on, if we put it under a, what, an electron microscope, see there's more space between the atoms than there are atoms here. It's like, whoa, dangerous to come in here. You might fall through. <laughs> so even science is, is um, pointing, pointing this out as well. So sunyata. Fundamental true nature of all things is void or empty, spacious, full of space. However, this might uh, appear to the self, the psychological egoic self, as uh, upsetting, distressing, confusing. Um, but um, the positive side of this it comes up with the next ultimate Buddhist concept, which is Tathata. And uh, Tathata translates as suchness. 
So where where there may be a type of um, for, for self, like oh my goodness, everything's empty. It's there's no substance to it. Then, which may feel like a bit of a negative, the tatata is more like a a, a positive joy or delight in hey, it is what it is. It is how it is, and it can be okay. There's not a sense of distress. Um, there's a sense of maybe even wow, there I was so caught up in trying to make something out of nothing. No wonder I was failing. Um, no wonder it was so hard. So a sense of um, delight in the in in that. So the realization that brings a sense of ease. Tatata is suchness. And um, one of the um, ways in which the Buddha was described as the Tathagata. So one of one of suchness. Um, that sense of um, not being distressed or overwhelmed by things, that things are as they are, it is what it is, it is how it is. And sure, in a practical way, if things can be modified and changed and we can be proactive with things, but not to make too much out of it, not to get overwhelmed, overwrought, distressed by things. It's, they have their own nature, they are what they are. There's a sense of like ease, easeful delight, um, a curious humor in how we can sort of get so caught up in making and taking things so seriously. And even the fact that, hey, the person that was uh, so caught up trying to take things seriously wasn't even real in the first place. It was just a collection of uh, psychophysical phenomena occurring at a particular point in time. Hence the anatta aspect. And this then allows the um, fourth ultimate Buddhist concept, which is Atamayata. So if you haven't been blown away yet, this is the one to blow you away. Atamayata, which um, uh, is uh, literally translated as uh, uh, unconcoctability. Yes, that's an English word. <laughs> so not being co concocted, not being created. Um, it, something can't be made out of of this. So, um, and certainly, also literally, not made of this, not made of that. The unconditioned, uncreated, the unfounded, the unformed. Often, um, this word atamayata is used uh, to describe non-duality non-duality or even non-dual awareness, awareness which is not a thing and not being caught into a subject, aware of an object, or being identified with an object that therefore needs a subject to view it as an object. So, in a way it's simple. Um, we can see, wow, how much have we created and constructed reality out of duality? And yet, maybe that's not, not the ultimate reality. It's like um, we, uh, the mind, the mind starts to think and um, mentalizes into thought, and thought, based upon language, is is very very dualistic. If there's black, there's white. If there's good, there's bad. If there's high, then there's low. If there's now, there's later. If there's here, then there's there. And and conventionally speaking, it's really helpful to to have that. But um, it is a convention. So have we ever thought about 
a reality which is not dual. So if there's no subject, does is there an object? And if there's no object, can there be a subject? It's like subject needs object, object needs needs subject, that, that dual dualistic relationship. But then what's happening in between? Between the subject and the object, what's happening in between? Well, in between is the, the non-dual awareness or non, non-dual reality, non-duality. And so this becomes another ultimate uh, concept, which uh, is a concept which is often used to describe uh, uh, nirvana or nir- nibbana. So non-dual awareness, non-duality beyond beyond those limiting factors that um, our our mind tends to get caught into, that binary approach to things, which is very, very limiting. And primarily because, because of the sense of self. As soon as there's a sense of me, then there's other than me. Duality is created. So what happens if the mind becomes quiet, there's no thinking happening, uh, there's just simply knowing, there's no one knowing, I'm knowing that, um, there's a thought, I'm knowing that thought, there's just just knowing. That's when there can be the non-duality. Thing is, thing is, there might be a sort of a, a philosophical conundrum, uh, you can never experience non-duality. Because if you're experiencing it, then you're there as a subject experiencing you've made it into an object. Um, even if there is, uh, so to speak, um, non-duality or atamayata in, say, meditation, in our meditation, then there's the, the memory bank neural part of the brain for memory, okay, there's the memory of that. And then self goes, oh, I, there's a memory, and there must be someone that's remembering, it's me, it's my memory, I had that, I did that, I was there. But that's that's the hiccup, that's, that's where self gets it wrong. That's not actually a fact. It's a bit like um, if um, if sleep has really happened, then you haven't slept because you weren't there to sleep. If you're sleeping, then it's not real sleep. Like language we speak about, yes, I was asleep. No, but you weren't, you were not existing. The body was sleeping and it wasn't thinking and therefore you weren't happening. But in terms of the way which we use language and concepts, um, sleep happened and it was my sleep, I was asleep, I had a good sleep. But in reality, you weren't even there. But uh, in uh, in deep meditation, when the brain doesn't doesn't think, or in deep sleep, no thinking, then no self. So it's like a non non duality. There's no self being made to create subject to then be aware of something else as an object. And um, sometimes uh, spiritual experiences uh, are of this nature. The problem again is that we speak about them as an experience, as if there was an experiencer, and it happened to me on um, you know, a date in January, in 1982, whatever. But um, 
but that is after the fact. Often the spiritual uh, or peak experience or mystical experience happened because self wasn't happening. And suddenly there was time stood stand still because the brain is not thinking to create a sense of um, someone in time and space and measuring time. And there's no time. There's just always just ultimate just now. So no time, no one, no thought, and no stress. Because there's no one to be worrying about something. There's just uh, infinite, infinite sort of um, space feeling, which is why, which is why they're often quite um, far out, um, amazing, um, ecstatic, um, beyond the the normal status, ex ecstatic, beyond the beyond regular stasis. So really, really important to um, for the human species to understand this phenomenon that we call the self or the I, because it's a source of so much stress and confusion and conflict. Um, and it's not too difficult to understand with a bit of mindful, wise reflection, consideration, and then helping to reduce a lot of suffering and stress for the individual and also for the species globally. And then this was, I guess, the uh, the uh, motivation of the Buddha to to teach and to try and help to bring more clarity and peace to to humanity. So it's, um, it comes back to us to see that as a possibility. The micro as self into the macro of of the world. So did you get blown away? <laughs> <laughs> Blown out. <laughs> so apologies if uh, if if yourself if your self faculty might be a bit confused. Know that it's not it's not permanent. It won't last. <laughs> Mind doesn't have to identify with it. So uh, do appreciate. Look into these four ultimate Buddhist concepts, and um, they're on one of the posters, and you can uh, um, search further on the internet. Have a good week, and I won't see you next time. I'll see the new self, a different self, next time. <laughs> That's all for this episode. Until next time, head over to wellawareness.com.au and discover what's on offer to relieve stress and suffering and enhance your health and well-being. With a broad range of services ranging from one-on-one counselling related to many issues facing individuals in today's modern world to meditation courses and retreats.